A team of investigative reporters is claiming that presumptive former President Joe Biden is not, in fact, a dithering old fool, descending rapidly from mere stupidity into witless senility while uttering completely incomprehensible word salads to a media determined to cover up his degeneration into a quivering puddle of barely sentient flesh, but has, in fact, been sending coded messages to the public that merely sound like the incomprehensible word salads of a dithering old fool descending rapidly into witless senility and so on. The team of reporters, which includes the guard who was supposed to be outside Jeffrey Epstein's prison cell, the guy who runs Comet Pizza, and Dan Rather, make the claim in their new book, Help, I'm Locked in the Basement. They say when Biden recites the Pledge of Allegiance as, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation under God for real, if you subtract those letters from the actual Pledge of Allegiance, record what's left and play it backwards, you hear, help, I'm being held hostage by the Democrat Party and forced to run for president. Likewise, if you take Biden's version of the Declaration, we hold these truths to be self-evident, all men and women created by, you know, you know the thing, superimpose those words on the actual Declaration, then set them on fire, the ashes spell out the words, I'm scared, I don't know where I am, and I need someone to take me home. Finally, if you add up all the times Biden has bullied a voter by calling him names, and add them to the number of times he's lied about what Trump said at Charlottesville, subtract that from the number of years Biden's been in government without accomplishing anything worthwhile, and tap out the result in Morse code, you get the message, watch out, it's a trap, the commies are using me as a decoy. The Biden campaign says this theory is absurd, and all Biden's future statements will be issued in writing after being vetted by staff. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. All right, we're back laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. If you are watching us on YouTube, or if you'd like to watch Daily Wire content on YouTube, my content is moving off the Daily Wire channel to make room for more content over there. I will have exclusive content on my da uh, Daily Wire channel, you, uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Andrew Clavin. So you want to subscribe there, ring the bell so you get the latest stuff, and leave a comment because we will make you world famous if your comment is stupid enough. Uh, that we consider it raises the level of the conversation on this show. We will actually read it on the air. You will be inscribed in the book of life uh, for all eternity. Uh, we have one today from The Inroad. He says, I growled rockauto.com to my wife, and we're now expecting our third child. I should have warned people about that because he, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't mention this, but he didn't touch her. Uh, it just happens automatically, so you want to be careful uh, doing that. According to data from Johns Hopkins University, 200,000 Americans have now died of the Chinese virus. If that's true, obviously it's tragic, but difficult to put the numbers into context. It's almost impossible to compare our numbers with other countries, for instance, not for conspiratorial reasons, but simply because information like this is damnably difficult to obtain. You hear people say, we have more deaths than any other country, but we're about a zillion times larger than most other countries. And other countries that are large, like China and Russia, are famously dishonest and opaque about what's happening there. It's hard to compare our death rate with other countries, the number of people with the disease 
companies who go on to die because we don't know how widespread their testing is or how accurate or how accurate our testing is for that matter. And we don't know yet how many years of human life have been lost, how many people who died of Wu flu would have died this year anyway, and how many were cut down far too early. Still, it's fair to say this is a real disease. The de- it's bad. Diseases are bad. What's been particularly dispiriting to me, though, is the politics of it. And yes, especially on the left. Donald Trump has said some goofy things during the pandemic. No question about it. He always says goofy things. But the left and the left wing media's insistence that somehow he's to blame for this virus and for the results is absolutely despicable. We have absolutely no evidence of that yet. We, we don't. We have none. We, can, we can't point to anyone who acted with greater foresight. We don't know yet whether lockdowns helped or hurt. We see some countries that seem to have reacted better than we did, but now are having spikes. We see other countries that kept their economies open, like Sweden, and may, have, and may do better over the long run than those that shut down. We can be certain everyone made mistakes because everyone always makes mistakes. But so far, the only thing I blame our leaders for is the dishonesty with which they've attacked the president, the duplicity with which which they've used the moment to abridge our rights, shutting down religious observances while letting people riot or hold uh, public left-wing funerals, and the cynicism with which Our leaders have spread fear and the journalists have spread fear and continued shutdowns that will surely vanish the day after the election. The Chinese disease has brought tragedy on American families. No one should doubt that. But more than that, it has revealed many of our leaders and almost all of our journalists to be politically foul and tragically empty hearted. All right, let us talk about hero health. Hero is your medicine cabinet reinvented. A hero pill dispenser sorts all your daily medications and delivers them all with the push of the button. And if medication isn't taken, the Hero app will send a notification to you or to a family member or caregiver so a dose is never missed. Obviously, this is important. Some of this medicine, if you don't take it, uh, it get, things get actually worse than they would have been if you weren't taking it at all. You want to keep up with this stuff. Hero makes it simple and easy to make sure you or your loved ones stay on track and get the right meds at the right time every day. Your Hero membership includes the app, the pill disem- dispenser and 24-7 support for just $1 a day. Never miss a dose again. Always have peace of mind with Hero. And right now, if you go to herohealth.com slash Clavin, you'll get 50% off initiation fee and a 30-day risk-free trial with a money-back guarantee. That's herohealth.com slash Clavin to start your membership with 50% off and a 30-day free trial. Don't forget that's herohealth.com slash Clavin. And I know, you know, when you're taking this many meds, there's a lot of people who are older uh, and they do start to forget and they go like, you know, I can't, how, how do you spell Clavin again? Just to remind you, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. All right, we've got the mailbag coming up uh, later. It's our special Amy uh, Coney Barrett mailbag. It's a uh, smoking hot wisdom. Uh, You know, I I just want to continue talking just a little bit about how hard it is to get good information about this virus and how it's worse that the media reports things with certainty that are not certain at all and and definitely has uh, a, a bias toward expert opinion that is defined by excluding other people who might just as well be experts, too. So, you know, the Wall Street Journal, and I'm not picking on the journal. The journal does a decent job. Its its news side has been drifting to the left uh, recently and getting kind of woke, and that means it's going to go downhill, and that's too bad. But it's still one of the better newspapers around. They write, you know, the U.S. leads the world in both total confirmed coronavirus cases and deaths. Now, that's a kind of meaningless statistic because it doesn't mean that 
uh, according to how many people have this? Uh, does, does it mean their testing in other countries is as good as ours? Are we testing more people? It's just a kind of a limited piece of information. But the thing that really gets me about their story on the 200,000 death mark, one of my favorite things about Donald Trump is that he has let federalism reign during this crisis. He let the states handle the states, and he did not create a new pandemic agency, which, of course, is just would have been a disaster. So the Wall Street Journal says public health experts say a unified national strategy for combating the fast-spreading disease could have led to a less severe outcome and more sustainable way of living through the pandemic. They don't know that in any way, shape, or form. That is just ridiculous. They, they go on to say a disjointed patchwork of rules and restrictions over the summer led to a surge of coronavirus infections in many states. Uh, testing delays, it's true, there were testing delays were bad, but they're saying basically Basically, if he hadn't let federalism reign, if he had created uh, an agency, if he had taken control of all the results, things would have been better. But let's think about that just logically. New York, right? 33,000 fatalities, followed by New Jersey, 16,000 deaths. That's one quarter of all deaths in the tri-state area, right? That's, that's 50,000 deaths right there, if you add in Connecticut, uh, who had five or 6,000. And according to Heritage, a significant proportion of deaths have occurred in just a handful of counties. The 30 counties with the most deaths represent 1% of all counties, 18% of the total U.S. population, and 39% of U.S. deaths, whereas one quarter of U.S. counties have had one or no death. So are you telling me that those counties should have been controlled by Washington and that would have led to better outcomes? No, of course it wouldn't. It would have led to more oppression. It would have led to more oppressive out, uh, uh, outcomes. And it would have led to more lockdowns from decisions made by people in Washington, D.C., who know nothing about those count, uh, those counties. And remember, federal agencies never go away once you have them. And we still don't know. You know, here's another line from this story. The fatal effects of the pandemic have extended beyond virus victims. Growing evidence shows fatalities from other causes of death, like Alzheimer's and heart attacks have been higher this year. Well, that's is that because of the pandemic or is that because of the lockdowns? I think it's because of the lockdowns. And yet, and yet, when a doctor from the Hoover Institution said that the results of the lockdowns had been bad, he was banned from YouTube. His video was taken off YouTube. And that's how experts are created. They're created by taking away people who say things that you don't like. And on Twitter, they're saying, oh, we ban anybody who disagrees with uh, the, the World Health Organization, which has basically been manipulated by China. The attacks on Trump have been the worst. I mean, they just are ridiculous. Trump went after went to the UN uh, by video and he had, went after China the other day. It was really he really read them the the riot act. This is cut two. As we pursue this bright future, we must hold accountable the nation which unleashed this plague onto the world, China. In the earliest days of the virus, China locked down travel domestically while allowing flights to leave China and infect the world. China condemned my travel ban on their country, even as they canceled domestic flights and locked citizens in their homes. The Chinese government and the World Health Organization, which is virtually controlled by China, falsely declared that there was no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission. Later, they falsely said people without symptoms would not spread the disease. The United Nations must hold China accountable for their actions. So, you know, in the United Nations, the Secretary General Antonio Guterres said, you know, oh, we must do everything to avoid a new Cold War because China and the U.S. were going after each other. And he says we must do everything to avoid a new Cold War, a technological and economic divide risks inevitably turning into a geostrategic and military divide. The problem with that, of course, is that the U.N., 
is is not just it's not just corrupt in the people who were there, though it is. It's a corrupt idea because it elevates a, a country like China, an oppressive slave state that lies and lies to the rest of the world uh, with to the same level as the United States. And what happens when that happens is you get into a negotiation and you want to avoid a Cold War, all the responsibility devolves onto the United States, just like the responsibility for bringing peace to the Middle East has in the past always devolved on Israel because they're the only people who are reasonable enough to negotiate. The Palestinians want Israel gone. They want the Jews dead. You can't negotiate with people like that. You can't negotiate with China because nothing they say means anything. The, their promises they make, make are broken right away. So again, this thing about Trump, about Trump being responsible all the time is is just ridiculous. And where where's if he says these things about China, oh, he's being xenophobic. This is putting Chinese people in danger. It's giving Chinese people the sads, you know, and it's it's utterly ridiculous. I want to just play a couple of things that the left has been saying. Here's uh, uh, Biden on CNN just a few weeks ago. This is cut 10. If the president had done his job, had done his job from the beginning, all the people would still be alive. <laughs> all the people. I'm not making this all up. Just look at the data. Look at the data. It's not just all the people would still be alive. Not just people from the flu. All the people. That's just, death itself would have gone away. This, that at least is better than what he said the other day while he was making his speech. This is cut nine. It's estimated that 200 million people have died. Probably by the time I finish this talk. <laughs> the complication of COVID-19, like lung scarring and heart damage could become the next deniable pre-existing condition for over 6 million Americans. 200 million people are going to, that's two-thirds of the country are going to die before he finishes his speech. That, my friends, is a boring speech. 200 million people are just wiped out by the guy crying, by the guy talking. Uh, and, and one more, I just want to play these clips. Here's Chelsea Clinton. This is yesterday, I think. Uh, cut 17. 200,000 lives uh, due to COVID. How much do you blame him and his response or the lack thereof? I, I, I blame him um, pretty fundamentally. You know, Joy, I blame him, you know, for lying to the American people, um, for continuing to kind of disparage science and public health advice and for not helping to prepare and protect us today, including kind of prepare us for when we do have a vaccine. So I think there's a lot of blame. I mean, it's it's childish and it's irresponsible. At least we can say these are political people making a political argument. But even a political argument should have some kind of basis. In fact, what country do you point to that has no deaths because Donald Trump wasn't there? I mean, England has to just had to lock down again, or at least they felt they had to lock down again. Is that Donald Trump's fault? Where is what which deaths are not Donald Trump's fault and why uh, are they not? Donald, how does Donald Trump escape the blame from this? This idea, it really is part of the blame America first. It's really Trump as America. And it, it's it's shocking because we know, we know from Joe Biden's own uh, people that they mishandled the pandemic when he was uh, handling it. We know that these things are impossible to handle rightly. I mean, they're pandemics, they're diseases. So we have, you know, we still don't know whether hydroxychloroquine works because they jumped on him so fast about it. They ha they they then are invested in proving that it doesn't. And if you want to, you just I just want to show you the way Trump has been treated. And you know, listen, I've I've always said Trump's a difficult guy. He's a big guy. He's got big flaws. He's got a lot of big gestures that he makes. 
But still, still, you are the press. You're supposed to be the referee. You're not supposed to be the guy calling, uh, you know, playing the game. You're supposed to be commenting on it. So Donald Trump held, held a rally and he went after AOC and Ilhan Omar, who I believe are, are dangerous people. I, I think they are dangerous, anti-American, anti-capitalist people with very, very little knowledge, but very passionate ideas about the fact that people shouldn't be making decisions for themselves. So Trump goes after them and cut seven. You know, AOC... Not a good student, not good at anything, but she's got a good line of crap, I'll tell you. You know, she's <laughs> radical left, but she's not as bad as some of them. How about Omar of Minnesota? We're going to win the state of Minnesota because of her, they say. She's telling us how to run our country. How did you do where you came from? How is your country doing? They're going to tell, she's going to tell us, she's telling us how to run our country. And you know what? The Democrats in Congress, you have to see what they're doing. Their stance on Israel, it's like a whole different world. It's like from 10 years ago, it's like a different world. And we want to keep our world the way it was and the way it's going to be. We've got the greatest country on earth, and we're going to keep it that way. We don't need socialists, and we don't need communists telling us how to run our country. So I just want to play some of the reaction. Grabian took Morning Joe, the Grabian puts out videos, they put, took Morning Joe, and they just did a montage of the reaction, a condensed version into about 30 seconds of the entire show. I got to play this, it's cut six. Oh my God. Oh, I don't know, we won't. Call them fascist comments. Fascist. Fascism. Fascist. Call fascism. <laughs> fascism. Just fascist. Fascist. Notions of fascism. Xenophobic. Racist. Demagogic. Racist. Sexist. Xenophobic. Autocratic. And fascistic. Donald Trump's a fascist. Someone like a fascist or a tyrant or an autocrat. Fascist rhetoric. Fascist language. Fascists. I'm, I'm glad that you're starting talking about fascism. Hitler. Right. Fascist rhetoric. He's talking the way <laughs> fascists talk. It's autocratic. Fascist. In Nazi Germany. Before the rise of Hitler, fascist language. <laughs> you know, it's unfair, of course, but it's but they couldn't do it if he hadn't said it that many times. Here's Donnie Deutsch. Why Donnie Deutsch is on any television set anywhere? Why they point a camera at this guy uh, is beyond me. This is cut uh, three. Basically, you had a destruction of uh, the belief in the free press. You had a blurring between the executive branch and the um, uh, Justice Department. You have creating an other, whether it's Muslims, whether it's Mexicans, whether it's uh, congressmen who weren't born in this country. Uh, and then you have the destruction of free elections. And we're here. And what is the difference between Adolf Hitler and Donald Trump? I'm not saying there's a Holocaust, but when you look at the tactics, and, and that is where we are right now. And as we are heading 39 days from election, this is where we have, and we still have people chanting, okay, <laughs> what is the difference between Trump and Hitler? I mean, you know, besides the mustache, obviously the mustache, Trump didn't go with the mustache. Hitler didn't go with the hair. So you, you got that. Uh, also, he has made this country more free than it was. This is the interesting thing. I mean, all their instincts, all the instincts on the left are authoritarian. The Even the idea that experts say that we, we would have had fewer deaths if the federal response had been more unified. There's no proof of that. It's also nonsense. I mean, it's nonsense on its face. It's nonsense on its face that South Dakota and New York should be controlled by Washington in, 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 as one. 
That, that's absolute nonsense. And this was the problem with Barack Obama. One of the reasons Trump was elected was Barack Obama was sitting in Washington making little rules. You know, you know, transgender students should use a bathroom in Tallahassee, the bathroom that I say they should use because I'm in Washington coming from Chicago and I know all about Arkansas and Florida and all these. You know, that's the stuff we're trying to avoid. But because Trump avoids that stuff, he's Hitler. It really is amazing to me. It is amazing to me what a stone in their shoe Trump is. I mean, it is one of the things that recommends him to me is that he drives them so crazy. And I think it is worth asking after they've made so many mistakes why that is. Stamps.com. You know them. You love them. Why? Because the post office gives great service, but you don't want to go there. You do not want to go to there. You don't want to stand online. You don't want people coughing on you. You don't want to have to put on a mask. You can get everything you need in your computer from the post office with stamps.com. You can print postage on demand and you'll save money with discounted rates. You don't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. Daily Wire has been using it for years. Uh, They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their own computers. And right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment, just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Claven. That's stamps.com. Enter Claven. And I know you're asking yourself, how do you spell microphone? No, you're not. Anybody can spell microphone, but how do you spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Claven. I, I make it look like this. It's, the E's just comes from me. You know, let, let us talk a little bit more about the Biden. First of all, uh, just in terms of the news there going forward, uh, President Trump says he's going to pick his Supreme Court replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, on Saturday, he said, at 5 p.m. And now he has the votes uh, to go forward and to actually get his his uh, nominee considered. The turning point was Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney came out and said the history shows that this is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. The Constitution says it's a reasonable thing to do. And he had this message cut for. I recognize that we... uh, uh we may have a court which has more of a uh, conservative bent than it's had over the last uh, few decades. But my liberal friends have, over many decades, gotten very used to the idea of having a liberal court. And that's not written in the stars. Uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, who had said she was not going to vote on this, she would not uh, vote to approve, now is kind of uh, going a little wobbly. She says, Uh, I know everybody wants to ask the question, will you confirm the nominee? We don't have a nominee yet. You and I don't know who that is. And so I can't confirm whether or not I can confirm a nominee. So she's now getting wobbly. The, The thing is, this is something the Republicans do pretty well. This is something that they unite on. Last time with Kavanaugh, I think they really got a shock when they saw how low the Democrats would sink when they accused that man of sexual malfeasance without any proof whatsoever and brought that and made it an hysterical Me Too moment with women pounding on the doors of the Supreme Court, uh, a Me Too hysteria that absolutely vanished when Joe Biden was accused uh, of, of digitally raping one of his aides. So it, it all it all of it is was, was such a shock, I think, that Republicans are now going, you know what? 
no, you know, they're, they're kind of unified on this. They realize that almost everything. Remember Jeff Flake, when Jeff Flake delayed the vote on Kavanaugh because two activist women came into the elevator and screamed at him and cried, oh, you're denying my sexual uh, experience by not believing in the, the uh, accusations against Kavanaugh. And now it turns out all that was absolute garbage. It was total garbage. If it weren't garbage, there'd be women in the elevators now talking about Joe Biden. But that doesn't happen. It is all on one side. You watch. Black Lives Matter, that's going to be nothing after the election. They're gone. They are gone. Nobody cares about that. They makes the Democrats look bad and nobody's going to follow it anymore. That whole issue is going to disappear. And if you think if you're a Black Lives Matter person and you think you're going to vote for Joe Biden and Joe Biden and or or anybody, whoever is president, Kamala Harris is going to turn around and say, yes, we must install the ideas of Black Lives Matter. Forget about it. They're using you too. they use everybody just to get the power they want. Biden, I, I mean, this the, the way that the press, we just talked about the way the press treats Trump, which is childishly absurd at this point. I mean, talk about Trump derangement syndromes going way beyond that. Hitler, Hitler, he's literally Hitler killing all the people. Donald Trump is literally Hitler killing all the people. Joe Biden gets asked the question, would he pack, would he vote to pack the court? And he just won't answer. Just cut five. Let me tell you why I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> because it will shift all the focus. That's what he wants. He never wants to talk about the issue at hand. He always tries to change the subject. But let's say I answer that question. Then the whole debate's going to be, well, Biden said or didn't say. Biden said he would or wouldn't. That's gonna, the, this, this, the discussion should be about why he is moving in a direction that's totally inconsistent with what the founders wanted. They're designed, the Constitution says designed, if voters get to pick the president who gets to make the pick and the Senate who gets to decide. So meanwhile, the Republicans uh, have a couple of committees that are looking into Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's behavior while Joe Biden, his dad, was vice president. And they have released an interim report because they want to get it out, obviously, before the election. I'll read you just a little bit from the conclusion. The records acquired by the committee show that Hunter Biden and his family were involved in a vast financial network that connected them to foreign nationals and foreign governments across the globe. Hunter Biden and uh, Devin Archer in particular formed significant and consistent financial relationships with the corrupt oligarch Migola Slochevsky during their time working for Burisma and their firms made millions of dollars from that association while Joe Biden was vice president and the public face of the Obama administration's Ukraine policy. Hunter was traveling uh, with Joe Biden, making millions of dollars off deals uh, and while this was going on. And there's also a report in this report, Hunter Biden made a number of payments to foreign nationals. Reading this from the Daily Wire, Hunter Biden made a number of payments to foreign nationals with, quote, questionable backgrounds consistent with organized prostitution and or human trafficking. We all know Hunter Biden has a little bit of difficulty keeping his pants on. Uh, records on file with the committee, the report says, confirm that Hunter Biden sent thousands of dollars to individuals who have either, one, been involved in transactions consistent with possible human trafficking, two, an association with the adult entertainment industry, or three, potential association with prostitution. So that's probably a charitable do donation. And I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure the press is going to run with this like crazy, like they did with the Steele dossier. I'm sure we're going to get just as much coverage over this as we did with the Steele dossier. And like the Steele dossier, it's going to be hard to disprove some of the stuff. But it doesn't matter because you're never going to hear about it, except if you're talking to me. You know, that's the only time you're going to hear about this stuff because it's going to be buried. This is a, a true potential scandal. 
They're going to bury it. They're going to do their best. I'm going to see. I'm going to see if uh, Chris Wallace, if anybody, asks Joe Biden about this during the debate, because Joe Biden, you know, it, it is amazing to me. The polls still show Joe Biden as highly competitive, if not ahead. Rasmussen shows him almost uh, the the election almost tied, but everybody else shows Biden really ahead. And it's just amazing to me that if you watch Trump, he's working around the clock. He's making speeches here and there. He's coming home in the middle of the night. Biden is calling the day at the end of the day in the morning, like 930 in the morning. Meanwhile, the way they are covering uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who is obviously the, the front runner for the Supreme Court, has been unbelievable. This is this is unbelievable. The attacks on her uh, religion have just been absolutely shameful. Uh, you remember Diane Feinstein. Well, let's play this. You remember Diane Feinstein with her last court appointment, this famous uh, exchange of questioning. This is uh, cut 13. I think whatever a religion is, it has its own dogma. The law is totally different. And I think in, in your case, uh, Professor, when you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. <laughs> the dogma lives loudly within you. We have one from Susan Hennessy, a Brookings senior fellow and a commentator on CNN, saying Amy Coney Barrett's personal faith is entirely unobjectionable. And between her and her creator, her clear intention of imposing her private beliefs, including religious views on the American public by overturning long settled precedent, should disqualify her from the bench. Everything to keep those babies getting killed. You've got to be able to kill the babies. If you can't kill the babies, it just isn't Democrat policies. Uh, policies politics. Let's play Dick Durbin questioning her, too. This is Dick Durbin at the same time, uh, 2017, was it? Questioning her, 14. You use a term in that article, or you both use a term in that article I'd never seen before. You refer to Orthodox Catholics. What's an Orthodox Catholic? Um, as I recall, that term, um, we said something like, for lack of a better term, we're using the term Orthodox Catholic, and there was a long footnote saying you know, that that was an imperfect term. Do you consider yourself an Orthodox Catholic? I am a Catholic, Senator Durbin. I, I don't, well, Orthodox Catholic, we kind of, as I said, in that article, we just kind of use that as a proxy. It is not, to my knowledge, you know, a term currently in use, but if you're asking whether I take my faith seriously and I'm a faithful Catholic, I am. Okay, now let's just compare this to the way Joe Biden's Catholicism, Joe Biden, the abortion guy who favors abortion, favors federal funding of abortion. He didn't used to, but he caved in on this. This is NPR doing a piece on Joe Biden's Catholicism. Cut eight. Joe Biden is known to carry a rosary in his pocket and to go to mass every Sunday. If elected, he would be only the second Catholic president in American history. NPR's Asma Khalid reports on how his faith is central to how he sees the world and how it affects his politics. When you listen to Joe Biden, you'll notice how he peppers his speeches with references to God. Here he is earlier this week speaking to the Poor People's Campaign. All of you remind me of how scripture describes a calling born out of the wilderness, a calling to serve, not to be served, a calling toward justice, healing, hope, not hate. It wasn't a one-off comment. This is how Biden talks. This is how he talks. He's just, a, he's devout. He's devout, except for the babies, except for the babies. He still gets to kill the babies. You know, this is the thing, I, that, that abortion should be at the center 
of Democrat politics. It's very telling, obviously. I can understand the arguments in favor of abortion, though I passionately disagree with them, but that it should be at the center and they are willing to sell out one woman's Catholicism in order to pray and at the same time praise Joe Biden's Catholicism is just a measure of what you're dealing with, not just with politics, but with the press, which has really failed us on every level and every subject uh, that we're, we're facing today. Cigars. I got to say, during this lockdown, when I've been a little bit socially distant, more socially distant, one of my favorite things to do has been to have pals out on the patio for cigars. And I have to tell you, Thompson Cigar is a great way to get your cigars, whether you're working from home or just kicking back after a week of being essential. There's no better way to relax than with a premium cigar. Thompson Cigar Company has deals and selections that will keep you in cigars, that the kinds of cigars that you will love. They've been in the business over a century. Uh, they really know their stuff. They've got the best prices on the biggest brands in the business. They have the largest selection of samplers online with the option to build your own every day in Thompson's five-pack fever program, including over 300 different five-pack options to mix and match. So sit back, take a break from all the craziness with the cigar from Thompson Cigar Company. These guys rarely do offers, but now Thompson is offering our listeners 15% off orders over $75 or 20% off orders over $99. To take advantage of these incredible savings, simply go to thompsoncigar.com and use promo code Clavin when you are ready to check out. That website is thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, cigar.com, and use promo code Clavin. (laughs) Come on! Anybody can spell Thompson, but it's Clavin. That's the mystery. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. You know now you can watch us on Daily Wire on Apple TV and Roku, so you can get us on the big screen. Many people wish they couldn't do that. When I, my show comes on, they actually put a curtain over the big screen, but you can get it there. You have to be an insider member, though, to watch live. So head on over to dailywire.com slash Clavin and use code WATCH at checkout to get 15% off your membership purchase. This deal won't last long, so act fast if you want live shows on your big screen, plus the one-of-a-kind, highly coveted leftist Tears Tumblr. Again, that's dailywire.com slash Clavin to get 15% off with code WATCH and download the Daily Wire on your Apple TV and Roku today. Uh, if you're all access, by the way, I will be on at 5 p.m. Pacific, and I hope you'll be there so we can talk. The mailbag is coming up. Mailbag. <laughs> That was just embarrassing. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to be seen on this show, and I have to be on because it's my show. All right. From Julia, resident of downtown Chicago, who has been appalled by the convulsions of violence that have taken place since June, I have to say that it is an easy choice to leave the liberals behind and support a conservative platform except for one issue. I am pro-choice and I'm concerned that I will never really be at home in the Republican Party with a stance like mine. Where can political refugees like myself go? We have so much in common. We want law and order. We support freedom of speech and religious expression, the right to bear arms, immigration concerns, but abortion is a wedge issue. I wonder what you make of this. All right. Well, Julia, obviously I have, I come from a point of view, but I will tell you what I think about this. I understand that that is the, an issue that's important to you. And there are issues on which I disagree and have disagreed in the past with Republicans. Gay rights was one of them. But 
But you have to look at where the dangers lie. There are only two political parties that matter. I mean, if you want to go off into a third political party and start building that party into a reasonable replacement party, that is a long-term political goal that you might take on. But in the meantime, there's two political parties, two candidates running for president, usually two candidates in any position. You have to look at where the dangers lie. Uh, When I thought about gay rights, I knew that which way gay rights were going to go. I'm sorry they went this way through the Supreme Court. I think that was a major, major mistake. But I could just see attitudes were changing. AIDS had changed people's attitudes. Americans eventually always go for including people and making sure people have equal rights. That's always the way Americans go. So I just didn't worry about it. I, you know, I, I knew that I was surrounded by people who disagreed with me. I always stated my case honestly, always said what I believed and always argued my case. But I wasn't that worried about that, where I was worried about the war on terror, people abandoning, the Democrats abandoning our troops. I was, I'm always worried about free speech rights. I know the Democrats want to get their hands on free speech. I know they hate law and order. I know they hate uh, gun rights. So there's so many things that I worry about. My take on abortion, on which I passionately disagree with you, but I understand this is your point of view, there is almost 0% chance that abortion is going to be made illegal in the United States of America. Roe v. Wade may be overturned. I believe Roe v. Wade, even if I were pro-abortion, I would believe that Roe v. Wade should be overturned. There is no right to abortion in the Constitution, and the Supreme Court should not be making law and telling the states how to make law. I'm a federalist. I believe that the states have a right to make law. There is a small chance, even let's just assume uh, Amy Barrett makes it onto the Supreme Court, there's a small chance that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. It is vanishingly small. But even if that happened, it would probably be overturned on the basis of states' rights, on the basis that the Constitution gives no right to the federal government to even legislate on this. The idea of the Constitution is enumerated rights, right? It is These are the rights that the federal government has, and it has no other. And over the years, the federal government, with the help of the Supreme Court, has been encroaching on rights it's not suppo- supposed to have, and this is one of them. So, There's a vanishingly small chance that Roe v. Wade will be overturned, but it will be overturned on the basis of uh, states' rights, and then states will make the the laws. And so if you live in Illinois, there's virtually no chance that that is going to be a danger. So what I would say to you is that right now, free speech, gun rights, law and order are crucial issues, whereas even if you believe that abortion rights are a crucial issue, there is no real danger to it. And that's what I would say. And look, you know, I... Conservatives are amazingly open-minded. They are amazingly open-minded. It's not like being a Democrat where you only can say certain things, and if you say other things, you're canceled. It doesn't happen. I, I've n- never seen that happen with Republicans. They will argue with you about this, but it, they won't kick you out of the tent. And so that's that's the way I, I think of it. I think you have to follow the party that is dealing with the urgent issues of the moment. Um, from Gerard, oh, he of the polished paint, why does George Soros hate America and what is his end game? If he could snap his fingers and get whatever he wants, what would that be? I think uh, uh, Soros is a globalist. Uh, he is a committed globalist. What he believes is called, should be called the open society, no borders, uh, apps, free, free trade, although regulated trade, but free trade, uh, no domination of America. Why should America dominate it really, it really doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense that he has been funding all these DAs who do not support the rule of law. And so 
There's something really chaotic and anarchic in Soros. And don't forget, he wants you, your money to be controlled by government. He wants money to be redistributed, but he lives in places that protect his money. He puts his money offshore where it can't be gotten at. So he's, there's something really wrong with the guy, in my opinion. There's something really dishonest and creepy about him. Uh, but his philosophy, as far as I can tell, is globalism. And he has said that we, America, is the greatest thing in his way. And what he means by that is our nationalism, uh, our patriotism, our belief in American exceptionalism, those get in the way of this global vision that he has, which I think is based on uh, a famous book by Karl Popper called The Open Society and Its Enemies. And I think that that is, that is where he's coming from. And so in his mind, he's justified, which is what makes him so dangerous. But I do not think that he has a philosophy that realistically supports the the ideas that make America great. We are, as a nation, we are able to defend our ideas in ways we wouldn't be in an open society. In an open society, tyranny rises. The reason it rises is because, just like I was talking about the UN, is because all nations are put on an equal footing in, in the debate. So we're debating in the, right now, we're debating at the UN with Iran. Why should we debate with Iran? They have nothing to say. They're a slave state and a terrorist state. We shouldn't be debating with them. We should have organizations of democracies. That would be an important thing. Organizations of free countries, but an open society is just favors ty- tyranny. And I don't think freedom is a big issue for George Soros. I think that that is a real problem. Um, all right. Another. This is an, another abortion question, which I think is. I think it's Chloe. I think it's misspelled here, um, but maybe not. What I've got is Chol, but it must be Chloe. Uh, anyway, uh, praise be to the Most High, Clavin. No ease. My question is one I've been struggling with for years. When I was in my very early twenties, I had an abortion. Uh, at seven weeks of pregnancy. I struggle with the guilt even now that I'm 29, and I have been adamantly pro-life for years now after realizing the truth about abortion. I have a wonderful boyfriend who I hope will one day be my husband. He's conservative, full of masculine virtue, and I know he's the one for me. Do you think I am morally obligated to tell him about my abortion? I'd like to think we can both leave the past behind as we start a life together, hopefully full of many wonderful children, but I can't stand to lie to him. What would you do? All right. Well, this is a really important question, a very uh, good question. First, let me tell you about struggling uh, with your guilt. You obviously did not, knew not what you did uh, because you say now you've realized the truth about abortion. It's very easy in our society to not realize the truth about abortion. There was a major, major push by all media to make you not understand what abortion is. So I just want to say to you in terms of, of your guilt, uh, your sin is nowhere near the size of God's forgiveness. It's not even a little atom uh, compared to the size of God's forgiveness. God knows that you made a mistake. He knows you've gone before him for uh, forgiveness. You've got the forgiveness. And so you have to live into God's forgiveness now. That's, that is an important thing. But yes, you have to tell your boyfriend. And I'll tell you why. If you, if you tell him now, it may, it may I, I hope it won't. I don't think it will. But it might end your relationship. But if you don't tell him now, it becomes a lie. And over the years, it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger lie. And eventually, when you t- do tell him, he realizes he's been living with you under false pretenses. And that is not a situation you can have. I think if you explain it to him as you've explained it to me, I'd like to think that he will have the open-mindedness to, uh, you know, to understand that you made a mistake and that God forgives you and he has to forgive you on, those, on that basis. Um, 
if he doesn't, the only thing I can say about it is now you'll know now instead of later on when you have children and maybe he finds out and he walks out. Uh, you do not want to live with this hanging over your head. I know it's hard. I know it's a difficult thing. and I know I'm giving you tough advice, but really uh, it, in the long run, you will be better off if you speak the truth. And that's, um, you know, that that's the tough stand. That's the tough position you're in, but you got to live into that tough position and do the right thing. Um, from Holden, hello, all made mighty and grand Clavin. What is your belief on evolution? How does it relate to your belief in God and faith? I've heard you mention that you believe in evolution before and always wondered how you thought of it. Thank you. And I'm a big fan. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, well, my, my position on evolution is simple. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's science. It, it, and so the scientists who study it are the guys I read. And I, you know, I'm not a scientist. And so I, I believe what they say, certain things about evolution, um, raise doubts in my mind. I mean, it seems that the complexity of moving from one species to another makes it very unlikely, but I, I don't know. I think that those holes will open up. I think evolution has been one of those subjects where scientists have been shut down for raising any doubts about it, and I think that's a bad thing. But the one thing about evolution I do not believe, because I think it is absurd, I, I think it's absurd on its face, it doesn't, you don't have to be a scientist, you just have to have a logic, is when they say that evolution is random. And I mean random to the extreme degree where when people put forward the idea of intelligent design or that there is a designer behind evolution, they are shouted down. That's ridiculous. We are inside the system of evolution. If evolution is what they say it is, we're inside the system of evolution. We can't tell if it's random. It's like being in a ball that's being bounced from outside. You don't know why the ball is going up and down because you're inside the ball. So I do not believe that evolution is random in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I believe that the world is in God's mind and all things are done through God and uh, with his with his understanding. I mean, I don't I believe he has left room for freedom, although it's very difficult to understand what freedom is when you think about try to think about it from God's mind because you can't get into God's mind. But uh, but I believe that whether it's evolution or not, God created the world. He is in the world now, giving it life and uh, and breath. And I don't see why evolution really endangers that at all. Some people uh, their big idea is that um, I think it's Paul says sin came into the world through one man uh, and we were saved through one man. Uh, that That's fine. I don't I really don't worry about things like that, because whether or not it's literally true, we understand exactly what it means. We understand that there comes a point in which uh, mankind diverges from the will of God and tries to take on the knowledge of God and, and so becomes uh, and so starts the chain of sin in which we're all still living and it starts the atmosphere of sin in which we're all still living. But I do believe that if, if evolution is true, it just doesn't affect my form of biblical belief at all, because I believe the Bible has many different genres in it, including legend, including uh, myth, including literal history, but all of it, the truth. And that's so it doesn't affect my idea of that at all. But I'm not a scientist. You know, if somebody, if tomorrow a scientist came along and said, oh, we got all this wrong, which seems unlikely to me, but if a scientist came around and got all this wrong, then I'd read that and I'd think, well, that, that's really interesting. It has no effect on my faith. So I know only as much as the scientists know. And right now, it seems to me that evolution uh, is certainly a, pro a major, major process in the creation of things, but the idea that it's completely random makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense on the surface of it. You don't have to be a scientist to know it doesn't. People who put their theology, like Richard Dawkins, who plant their theology in that idea are just making fools of themselves. I got to stop there, but we'll be back again tomorrow with The Andrew Clavin Show, and I will still be Andrew Clavin.
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental, and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.